always good to have guests with kind of equivalently loud voices. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, I've always been told to, to talk less loudly. Yeah, so. me too. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, very much so. Or like people just sort of say to me, you do realise that you're shouting? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I didn't realise that I was shouting because obviously I would have stopped. Yeah. Uh, if I'd have... <laughs> yes. But yeah. Yeah, it's quite embarrassing actually. Sorry. <laughs> it's something I, can, I don't really like the idea of being a loud no, person but no. it's, it's also something that is quite hard to control mm. it's one of those things where being self-aware doesn't always help you to uh, actually stop the, the action it just means <laughs> that afterwards you feel more guilty <laughs> yes hello I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together I need to get better please make me better I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Jess. Hello, Jess. Hello, Dave. Hi. The first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? So, I know you through Spark London, and that's how we first met, through that. And after uh, hanging out a little bit there and... um, tell you a few stories and being involved with that for a while you then uh, encouraged me to get involved with stand-up tragedy I did uh, which has been good fun and uh, so have been uh, involved with that as well yeah so, that's yeah. right these days I've met quite a lot of people through Spark it's, uh... yeah it's an amazing little collection of people actually I really love the group of people that end up at Spark because it's quite a diverse set of characters all with, not surprisingly, very interesting stories to tell. Right, and kind of united, even though we're all from different backgrounds, we're united by an interest in listening to other people's stories as well as yeah. our own. So it kind of, it's yeah, it's, it is really nice in that way. Mm. Yeah. And it's been really great for me to sort of meet, meet so many people in that context, because I, I have a real interest, as getting better acquainted suggests, in, in other people's lives. But, you know, you're limited to your friendship group. Uh, yeah. If you come up with a concept like this, yeah, uh, and now my friendship group is kind of growing wider, you know, just through doing a show every month, you know. Yes. So the second question I ask everybody is, what do you do now? What do I do now? <laughs> it's like the, the, the dreaded question, yeah, like in totally. everyone's lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where do you start and where do you, where do you finish with that? In terms of working, I'm a tour guide, so I work for a company that do bus tours around London. So open top buses, I'm on a microphone my top deck pointing things out and also do walking tours as part of that as well so showing crowds of up to 80 people around central london so that's generally a pretty fun if not exhausting job yeah it's, so. you have quite long shifts don't you i think yeah you do i mean especially if if as london often is it gets pretty gridlocked with traffic so you can end up working 10 11 hour days quite quite regularly right so, and you've yeah. got to be on a lot of that time. You have right? got to be performing. That you just got to be on it and just be the happy yay tour guide. Like, <laughs> so it's uh, it, it's a job that is quite emotionally draining in that way. But it is lovely because you do meet people from all over the world. Like we have been saying, it's great when you meet people from different backgrounds, and that I absolutely adore. So people from all over the world and all types of people. And that's a joy, you know. It makes every tour different in that respect. And is like tour guiding something 
I, I guess tour guiding is rarely something that people sort of think, I know what I want to do when <laughs> yeah. I grow up. Yes, yes. Going to careers officer at school. It's like, yes, I really want to be a tour guide. <laughs> no. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So, I mean, like, did you, did, did you sort of like seek out something that was related to performance or did you sort of just fall into it? Or like, how, was, how did that happen? Simply fell into it. I had been doing a few publicly speaking type things before. I'd done a bit of teaching and a bit of lecturing before and done some street fundraising charity fundraising and that kind of stuff right which quite a few people i know have been through that that uh, that mill of of charity fundraising so actually i i wouldn't say that i'm naturally a particularly confident person among people but i've kind of learned to be right and so a friend of mine got involved in in tour guiding a few months before and and he said it's really good fun you should give it a try and luckily, my company had a vast number of people quit <laughs> that summer. So, uh, yeah, so they had some spaces open. So that was quite cool for me. Hey. And, yeah, I simply fell into it. And I feel more comfortable doing this job than anything else I've ever done. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's a yeah. Really, really, yeah. It's really hard to find a job that you do feel comfortable in, I find. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to occasionally have good jobs. And, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I appreciate them when I do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not it's it's not the job that I kind of think this is me for life. I'm set now. This is my career in, in any way. But it's a job that I'd be very happy to kind of return to or, or, or keep keep on going in some capacity. And I guess now you, you know loads of facts about the city of London. You do. You do. Actually, <laughs> actually, sometimes too much. I, I was sitting waiting for a bus in Aldwych a few months ago and I realised that I knew stuff about every single building around me. And I was a bit like, I don't really want to know all this stuff. This is just... Yeah, like it, it's too, you know, it's just pointless trivia. <laughs> right, right, right. Makes you useful in a, in a very specific pub quiz yeah. round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but apart from that, uh, apart from that, pretty pointless and just often just very boring in in normal conversation. Right, because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's what I can come out with. You know, I was in a car driving through London with some people a couple of, couple of days ago and. And I ended up just doing, just going into tour mode and kind of going, oh, that the hotel there is where, you know, and just, right. shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I can, I can see, I can see that. Although, I mean, you know, at the same time, it's like anything, isn't it? There'll also be, it's also, there'll also be fascinating parts of it that you sort of. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, there is an absolute joy in, in the research. I love finding out stuff. And it's not that I'm interested in history, I'm interested in people and, and the lives that people have led. And that's extraordinary, it really is. And so when you have a city like London, which is getting off 2,000 years old, 8 million people live here now. And so, as I say, there's been some extraordinary lives that have been led. Right. And that's amazing, and I love, I love finding out that stuff. And London's a kind of epicentre as well for a lot of different cultures coming yep. together, yep. which is a, a really uh, lovely and fascinating thing, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, I, I really enjoy portraying that aspect, actually, to people, especially people who come from quite remote areas in, in you know, the Midwest, USA, or, or kind of Australia, or other parts of the world where they don't get a lot of that, and they... they, they find that quite um, rural England probably yeah, well. yeah exactly yeah rural England yeah no, absolutely absolutely to show them that the, the, the vibrancy and the joy of, of this extraordinary collection of people in one place that's um, something that I think is you know as a tour guide you can be informative and hope for entertaining but I hope there's a way that you can actually even do something in a way of actually broadening people's horizons 
a little bit if yeah. it's if it's done the right way. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I'm always in this unique position with people from Spark. I'm not as close to them as my closest friends or anything, but I've heard really like big moments from their lives, <laughs> yes. like life stories. Yeah. I mean, when you said about you've been a teacher, I mean, one of the things you did was teach in China, didn't you? Yeah. Because you did a, a true story about that at Stand Up Trash. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I worked as an English teacher in China for a year straight after university. And was your degree in English? Then, nope, no? nope, nope. It was uh, a degree in philosophy and religious studies. Basically, we just saw a post on the wall saying they wanted anybody with a degree. It's a big country. They wanted lots of English speakers to teach. So, yeah, I did have a few scruples about going and working for the education department of a repressive communist regime. Yes, um, I, can, I can understand <laughs> that. I'm sure teachers in the UK feel like that a little bit now. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think anyone working in any social services, I have huge, huge respect for. Always have done, of course, but uh, anyone who's working with the NHS right now or, or education, it's like... Yeah, just, right. Oh, good, good work. How do you do it? How do you yeah, keep on going? Hey, exactly. get up in the morning. Just yeah. good work. So you had scruples about working for them, but you did, did, did end up I did do it, yeah. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, it wasn't even... It was a weird thing, I think, as I said in the stand-up tragedy story. It wasn't even just... I saw the poster and I knew that I was going. There wasn't even a decision made. It was just simply the poster was there and that was the that part of my life Set. in place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a really strange thing. Um, did it I, feel like fate or something, I guess? Or was it... Was it I don't know. Like... I, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think this ever happened like that ever since, but it was just literally simply saw the poster and this, that's that. It was a really strange experience. Was it a, was it a, a good uh, element to your life then, going to China? <laughs> I, mean, I think it was mixed. I it suspect. was very mixed. It was very mixed, yeah. The first six months of my time was pretty dark. <laughs> a pretty dark patch of, of life. Uh, where I was sent to a school in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a in the middle of a forest, and it was a private school. But they also, one thing I did like about it is that they did actually have a remit to teach local children from farming communities and and local villages and stuff around who probably wouldn't have had an education otherwise. Right. So that was quite cool. So it was quite a mix of children. But anyway, I got there and found out a few weeks later that the headmaster had run off with all the school's money, left the school absolutely broke, and ended up. Yes, living in this school with no electricity, no running water, and the children being fed rice and cabbage every day. Mm. And no one else who really spoke English to be able to communicate properly with <laughs> about what was going on. Sounds pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, Frustra- like, it, it's, what, it's, what I guess is the main word I, that sounds like is powerlessness, right? You mm. can't do anything and you can mm. see all of this terrible stuff happening and you, yeah. you literally don't speak enough of the language to even influence the yeah. situation you're in. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and it was also a case of being newly arriving in the country and, and not really sure exactly how much I could do because foreign language teachers in China have uh, an unfortunate history of, of, of naively trying to get very involved in politics right, over there. Right. And that's fine if they got themselves into trouble, that would be their choice. But it, uh, it does often end up with the people around them, the Chinese people around them, also getting into trouble with the authorities. Right. Um, so you have to be mindful of that as well. Yeah. So how long did you spend in China then altogether? Spent there a year. Yeah, so for the first four months I was in a school that eventually got shut down and I ended up in this very bizarre situation of being jobless and essentially homeless and without any 
visa documents because the school hadn't processed them, which meant that I was actually legally in the country. Right. And I also lost my passport, so I couldn't leave. Christ, yeah. <laughs> so okay. I had a really, really interesting, to put it mildly, another few months, basically kind of drifting around the city, sleeping on sofas and floors, going completely crazy on malaria tablets, which was a very, very dodgy brand of, I think they've been withdrawn now, malaria tablets that was sending me into very, very deep <laughs> panic attacks, which was... Um, Terrifying. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I occasionally have panic attacks, and I've never enjoyed them, uh, <laughs> e- even undeep, e- un- even yes. undeep ones. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, that'd be quite an amazing concept to enjoy a panic attack. That'd be quite a cool. There, there probably is somebody that does. Maybe I don't know. It's very hard. Like you, you, you always think, well, somebody enjoys everything. Yes, uh, this but, is true. Kind of gets time, off on a panic attack. It definitely seems hard to. to to imagine that people can get up on panic attacks so, so I guess another thing that I've I've heard you talk about in terms of your life is uh well my my favorite I think like recording of you is the sort of uh, spark recording of you telling the story of uh, your kind of tour guide experience from hell <laughs> and uh I mean, it's just so perfect. I mean, and when you go up and... Do, do we, I don't know, were you planning to tell that story that night? Or was that one of the ones that just came out fully formed? I No, I knew I was going to do that one. Because that's how and you go with storytelling, isn't it? You like to, to prep it. I like to prep it. I mean, more recently, I have to say, I have gone to Spark with without intention and have gone and kind of done a story on the fly, as it were. Yeah. But I find... I never quite enjoy the experience as much, and I find that um, I don't think I don't think the audience gets as much out of it either because my, my concentration isn't on how I'm able to deliver it. My words are all over the place, and I'm not particularly descriptive. And I find if I prepared it, I can then just get what I'm trying to say a- across more right. clearly. Despite being a tour guide and someone who speaks in public for a living, I feel that I'm pretty terrible at communicating <laughs> <laughs> in myself. Right, and so. I'm always looking for ways to try to communicate better and more clearly and I always feel that I'm tripping on my words and stumbling and mumbling and <laughs> so so just just to actually remove that element of paranoia yeah. out of the way yeah, a little yeah. bit then I think then kind of well, I'm very glad that you, you know whatever makes you able to tell <laughs> stories is good good with me so yeah your tour guide experience from how what like uh, yeah that was um that was extraordinary. So yeah, so I, I do walking tours, lead walking tours around London uh, with my company, as I say. And uh, there's one which is a ghost walk, and it's quite a funny walk because people turn up and uh, they have different expectations. It's in a literature the company put out that we go to a couple of pubs. So some people turn up wanting a bar crawl. Uh, some people turn up expecting it to be like the the London dungeons, where there's people jumping out at you and scaring you and grabbing you, right. and it's not, it's just a bloke like me going around central London and going, oh this building's quite interesting, there's a ghost, you know, whatever so, it's 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 the tour that can often be quite a disappointment for a lot of people <laughs> but, there are some amazing stories in that tour, there's some of my favourite facts and, and uh, events that have happened in London, so if, if people can get into it, it can be a really, really lovely really, really fun tour there was this one particular night, which was in August 2012. It was during the Paralympic Games, so I remember it quite vividly at that time. And I started with a collection of 12 people, and I could feel that people were kind of losing interest and drifting off and, and not that bothered. So we had a pub break in the middle of the tour, 
and usually you'd expect to lose a couple of people. It's in the evening that tour, people are either tired from walking around all day or they want to go and have a, have a meal somewhere. So you might lose one or two people, or if they don't speak English, say, well, that's fair enough. But I started with 12, 12 people, and after the pub stopped, nine of them had disappeared. Just left. Right. So right, right, okay. I was feeling pretty sheepish at this point already, and I... I said to the few people who are left, look, we don't have to carry on. You know, if you guys want to go and hang out somewhere, go and have a meal, that's really fine. You know, we don't have to carry on. But I, no, 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 we'll, we'll carry on. I think they just felt a bit sorry for me and felt that the best way to, to be nice to me would be to carry on the tour. So we carried on the tour. We were on the Strand and there's a church in the middle of the Strand, which is the Church of St. Mary Strand, And it's got an interesting history because it's right in the middle of the road and there used to be uh, a graveyard as part of that church it's not there anymore and before the 1840s there was a law which meant you had to be buried in your parish graveyard right and as London's population grew and grew and grew and grew this resulted in bodies being buried underground six kind of coffins deep just buried in the the ground it got to the point where there's actually coffins just stacked around a graveyard above the surface um, which resulted in an outbreak of cholera right. and lots of people dying. So eventually government kind of thought, actually, let's forget that law. It's a silly idea. So he then resulted in things like the, uh, the London Necropolis Railway, which was a train that went from Walsley Station to a graveyard outside of London and actually took funeral parties. Each funeral party had its own train carriage and they went from the station next to Waterloo to this graveyard in, in um, Brookwood as more graveyards could open up and people right. didn't have to be buried in their okay. parish graveyard. So yeah, you had the London Necropolis Railway. So I was going to talk about all that. Yeah. And I had the three people who were sitting on a tour in front of me, I had the church behind me, and I gave this huge sweeping gesture to introduce the church and said, this is the church of St. Mary, and slapped a passerby full in the face. <laughs> So easily going to happen, so to, happen to anybody, I think. It's just like, this is one of my kind of... I'm always doing things like very clumsy things. Yeah. And so I can to- totally identify with this. Yeah. Like, you're enthusiastic, you're in the moment. Exactly. It's such a good thing. Exactly. Like, it's it, you know, there's, there's nothing to fault you, really. No, but you no. Uh, slap someone exactly. in the face. <laughs> you just which, become a, a danger to shipping, basically. But to them, that's a, like they're just walking along the street and suddenly a, a man is hitting them in the yeah, face, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and <laughs> fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a pretty clumsy person, actually. Uh, there's a, there's a, a long list of, of moments that, that even today I kind of think. Oh. Yeah, I've got a list too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, I, I slapped this person kind of at the back of my hand, basically. Right. Um, and she, this, this lady was in, uh, I think she must have been working nearby. She may have been something to do with law and, or business because she was just walking away from, from the kind of Fleet Street area. I caught her kind of, she was wearing glasses. I must have kind of hit her kind of actually kind of on the glasses because there was a red mark kind of on her face where yeah. they kind of dug in. Not surprisingly, she went absolutely ballistic, uh, screaming and shouting and effing and blinding. I wanted to crawl into a hole and, and stay there for the rest of my life and never uh, come out. I was apologising and apologising and apologising and apologising yeah. and trying to explain what you know what was going on. And she wasn't having any of it. She was getting more and more angry. Eventually, one of my customers, the three people on a tour, this lady in her 70s from New York... <laughs> Kind of uh, squared up to her. It was like, and they said, "You got to back off, lady, back off." <laughs> to which this woman, understandably, very, very angry, 
then started screaming and shouting in, in this little old lady's face. Right, which is certainly not acceptable. No, no, which is the point where, where it kind of flipped for me and it's like, OK, I've done everything I can to try and bring this situation to an to a, uh, amicable close. I'm now concerned about my, my, my customers. I'm going to try and get them away from here. So I then gestured to my customers, let's just go, let's just leave here. Hopefully she'll calm down and, and uh, go, go back home and do whatever she needs to do to <laughs> relieve herself of it. Probably was a very stressful day and maybe what yeah. I did was the kind of the, 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 the thing that just let a huge amount of other stress in her life right. go. We could all have been her as much as we absolutely. could all have been you, right? Absolutely, and, and I, I have been her. Yeah, and, you know, me too. <laughs> absolutely, I have been that complete arsehole yeah. who has let rip at somebody who completely didn't deserve it. Yeah. So again, uh, yes, yeah, so you feel horrendous about that, but in that moment, yeah, that's what happened. So anyway, so we we continued our tour. Uh, again, I asked my three tourists who are left saying look we don't have to f- carry on we can finish here if you like you know I really don't mind if you want to go and you know that was a bit intense if you want to leave it here that's absolutely fine and again I think they're trying to be nice by saying no no we'll carry on we'll carry on so, okay all right so we continued onto Fleet Street and went into the uh, area of London known as Temple which is a really interesting history of of uh, starting with the Knights Templar of course now very much our legal area of London. And so we continued to Temple Church and talking about some of the stories about the Knights Templar and, and uh, gruesome goings on uh, in the area. And uh, anyway, this, this lady was following us. We noticed this lady was still following us, kind of some yards behind us on her mobile phone, screaming into her mobile phone. And we're just thinking, hopefully she'll just go, <laughs> hopefully she'll he'll leave us. But no, we were still at Temple Church, outside Temple Church, and uh, six police officers turned up. Wow, six, yeah. six, police, six officers police officers to deal with uh, an accident. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was two from the City of London Police, because that's where we were now. We'd gone into Tynodden, and four people from four police from the City of Westminster, where the incident had happened. <laughs> so for some reason that involved bringing wow. police officers from two completely different... Yeah. <laughs> that was necessary yeah. during the Paralympic Games, where they probably had quite a lot on anyway. Yeah, although maybe that's why they were more like likely to be there because of the, the games. But maybe yeah. so, maybe so. They they were stood. I'm terrible with judging distances, but they they were stood a, a good distance away from us. But we could hear everything that she was saying to them, screaming in their faces. You could see the policemen looking at each other, rather confused. Yeah, we could actually overhear her saying because they'd asked her. So so. After she described the incident, they asked her, so it was an accident? And she said, yes, I know it was an accident, but... <laughs> and so they're looking at each other, just completely baffled. And eventually one of them came over to us, and he didn't ask me for... He asked me for my name, which he had to do, because he had a, a, an incident form to right, report right. To, to fill out, but didn't ask for my version of events. He didn't ask for any information at all. He didn't ask my tourists for any corroborating alibi. <laughs> you know? uh, he just simply said, I know. It's okay. <laughs> I know. It's fine. To explain the screams that seem to have started in the background to kind of uh, <laughs> highlight the pain of the story, we're, we're recording out in my back garden um, and it seems like a, a local child is, is, is having a, a, a dramatic moment of sounds some like kind. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the police did this absolutely hilarious thing where he then basically gestured for us to follow him and he basically snuck us off round the back of the 
Temple Church while the other officers were keeping the lady kind of occupied. Wow. Still having her screaming and shouting at them. So it was a, it was a kind of really weird kind of uh, <laughs> kind of cartoonish moment where they were creating a diversion almost <laughs> for right, us right, to right. leave the scene. And so, yeah, like a Scooby-Doo episode or something like that. It was yeah. really bizarre. And so, yeah, we kind of snuck away and uh, and the policeman just walked us off to the street and said, go, 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 go. And uh, wonderfully, the lady, the, the old lady said, uh, kind of asked him if they'd give, give her, her husband a ride back to their hotel. <laughs> it was like, no. <laughs> so, uh, yes, and thankfully the tour did end there. We, they, they did decide to go home at that point, thank God. I mean, I mean you know, it's, it's, it's just such a, such a, a relatable experience to me that I can imagine ha- happening, to, happening to me. It was kind of a, a nice moment as well in terms of that's one of the things that Spark can do, right? Mm. You, you know, the audience were going through that with you. We were laughing. Yeah. It was, you yeah. know, it was, you know, and and you know, when when it's told as a story rather than in conversation, it's like, and then this terrible thing happened, and this terrible <laughs> yeah, thing happened, yeah. and this terrible thing happened, and it was like, you know, it just started so innocently that the Catalog audience were just like, yeah. you know, in laughter, but also like, oh no, no, not more, <laughs> and it's kind of, and it kind of like. I liked it because it was like we were all we all went through that experience, yeah. and I guess as a clumsy person, I often feel like people don't really understand what it's like. <laughs> so it's it's really nice to have a whole audience go through it, and I uh, uh, with you, uh, and yeah. yeah, that was really great. So, yeah, one thing that I don't think I don't think I have heard you tell stories about, but I know about you, is that you sort of like you've used the word like I, well, I don't know if I want to if you would would use the word. So hang on. How do I frame this? So you have a, a, an unusual background in terms of religion. So. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things you studied, I guess, was religion when you yeah. when you went to university. Yeah. So yeah. It's always been it's always been an interest in, in of mine um, and a fascination, and I still I still don't know where necessarily I stand from a relig- religious or spiritual viewpoint, or if if I. Um, know any more about that um, in myself than I've used to but it's always been something that's fascinating and, and uh, partly from an anthrop- anthropological point of view in terms of it is such a huge factor that drives human right. civilization and culture and, and beliefs and, and people's day to day experiences and their emotional makeup is something that just cuts through every element of, of human life which is really really fascinating and then al- also I'm a, I'm a massive astronomy nerd science kind of buff in, in, in kind of my in, in a lay person kind of way so I'm also kind of deeply fascinated by concepts of the great beyond and whatever that may be right. you know, whatever there is beyond this kind of existence the cosmos, the cosmos. And, yeah and then what what came before the big bang exactly. is there an is there an after yeah. the universe thing yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah all that kind of stuff so all that kind of ties in ties in with it and um my parents um Essentially, met in a. You could describe it as a as a minority religion. Right. <laughs> I kind of use the cult, the word cult, quite flippantly. Yeah, it, a minority religion, you could say. Back in the seventies, it was a collection of of an assortment of ideas, everything from uh, Eastern mysticism to Celtic ideas, uh, Arthurian legends, hodgepodge of things, everything from from that to kind of. Uh, uh, alien kind of intervention in in human history and and all okay. these kind of different kind of things um, and so I have memories of going to these meetings 
as as a child and seeing these kind of guys in these kind of white robes and tunics and stuff kind of walking around and so yeah some, somewhere in, in the formative kind of years of my life is all that, all that yeah so. but I mean it's not particularly necessarily different from Catholic no uh, not at all or whatever I mean not at all yeah, that's the interesting thing. It's like it's easy to use the word cult for for people, but I mean, exactly. often organised religions are very, very big versions of exactly the same yeah. sort of thing. Absolutely, really. and the word cult has got such a huge amount of uh, uh, hang-ups associated with it. You right. know, cults are supposedly dangerous kind of organisations, which which are uh, detrimental to people who are followers of it, and 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 the vast majority of of Minority religions are not like that at all, and and, and you, you could say that a lot of kind of mainstream organised religions are far more dangerous and far more detrimental right. to human life and and um, human, humans in general than, than these kind of smaller ones are. I guess they're just more accepted and uh, more more mainstream. I mean, I tend to think of it as it's not really it's not the faith that's ever the problem; it's what you do with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, completely. I mean, it, it, it is true that if you kind of actually go and, and look at the 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 great prophets or, or the great religious thinkers of of all the kind of major and minor religions, you know, pretty much all the time they're saying the same stuff, and it's just all about be be good, be happy. <laughs> You yeah. know, <laughs> don't, don't be an arsehole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all really, really basic, simple stuff. Yeah. And and there's a huge amount of overlap uh, in so many ways between other religions. But yeah, absolutely, it's it's the kind of people who then use that for all kinds of personal and political motives. Right. That, that, you know, so I mean, your parents met in a minority religion, and you have you went to it. I mean, were you? Did you believe in it, or and? Did they leave it? I guess are the questions, the follow-up questions. That yeah, they they um, they did eventually. They moved out of London, so they they kind of became less involved with it then. And I I was too young to to at that point to th- have any kind of real understanding of of it at the time. But there's some really lovely lovely memories, and and there was various um, little um, songs. And melodies and things that they they might sing that I I my mother would sing to me as I went to sleep and I yeah. kind of have them written down and stuff which are kind of very kind of very kind of they <laughs> they're kind of things that you might imagine being being sung in Game of Thrones actually they're kind of very kind of Celticy kind of uh, um, Arthurian legends or dragons and and nice. kind of knights and that kind of stuff so but definitely I think I think I do think that the, the their mindset definitely influenced me in terms of being interested in, in in perhaps exploring life uh in 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 the, in the kind of I don't like the word spiritual because it sounds it's got yeah a lot of baggage but in 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 a kind of in a way that's that is continuing in the same kind of vein of, of kind of looking at kind of what is beyond just the, the four walls that we kind of have around right. us day to day. The and unknown kind of thing. The unknown, yeah, the, absolutely. The infinite even. Yeah, absolutely, the infinite and, and the unknown. <clears throat> and and I, say, I still don't know where I, where I stand in terms of whether I believe in anything beyond this life in a spiritual sense, but, you know, it, I, there is the unknown, there is the infinite, and and um, and on a scientific level, there's kind of the, the kind of... The, discoveries and, and, and things that are going on in terms of both quantum physics and in terms of you know, things like the Kepler telescope that is kind of finding all these extraordinary new planets right. is mind-blowing, yeah. absolutely mind-blowing. 
and so even just I, I would spend hours and hours as a, as a child in the garden at night just looking up at the stars and I'd spend two or three hours just in the back garden just looking at the stars just quite happily that would be me for a night <laughs> very very I, w- I was uh, yeah I wasn't a very sociable child actually <laughs> you, were, you, were, you, were, you were socialising but with the, with the, hem- yes, with the, yes. with the stars with the, yes. with the heavens communing with the, the infinite yes <laughs> yeah you know there's, there's worse people to talk to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like that's. I mean, so I, and I guess it sounds like astronomy is something that's 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 been a part of your mm. your life ever since, to a certain extent. Yeah. Do you still look through telescopes at the stars now? Uh, I do. Um, doesn't happen very often in London, right? Um, really, um, famously hard to see. Them yeah. In London. Actually, yeah, although you can see them occasionally, but only the, the, a very few stars yeah. you can yeah. see in the sky. So yeah, yeah, you see see the planets, but yeah, I need a few of the. The kind of major stars, uh, but I do have a telescope that I will I will occasionally take with me down um, when I leave London and and uh, and uh, um, but yeah I I am completely in awe of all that um, of 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 the universe and always have been and it's um, it's been yeah I, yeah I love that I've always 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 had and so yeah so I'm I'm I kind of um, do uh, avid kind of look reader of new scientists and, and astronomy websites and, and that kind of stuff and things. I mean does this tie in because one thing I, I've talked to you about before in conversation is kind of your idea about like positivity being like a kind of almost a political act almost mm-hmm. um, I think I, I don't know if I've written down on my notes positive agenda but yes. I don't know if that's yeah. a quote from you or something that I interpreted <laughs> it may have been words. yeah yeah I mean it, does that kind of fit into this kind of like the more sp- yeah, we're not going to call it spiritual, but into that side of things to you, or is that kind of a separate thing? I guess there is an element of overlap in that I have always had the, the sense of, of life being actually quite incredible, an incredible thing to be alive. Uh, I think I've, I think maybe. Um, I, I don't know. I had that I, that kind of th- that sense of awe and wonder at, at looking up at the stars, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And just this is all just just extraordinary. This 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 universe we're in is just mind blowingly incredible. And so I think as a child I had that sense of awe and and and, and attaining a sense of joy from it. And you now of course life is not always extraordinary, not always wonderful, and 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 there are uh, deep tragedies of human existence that. That before you know happened to us all, and and, and some of us like to make shows about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know, there, there is, of course, you know, life as we experience it can be deeply sad and, and depressing and and tragic. All those things. But I guess maybe as, as as a child where I've had this kind of that that kind of upbringing which I had, and then being uh, adoring the universe and the stars, that there's always been a sense of there is a, a a wider existence of the world around us and then beyond the world. So I guess in the in in that there is there is you know even in, even when the worst things happen. There are always 
quite sometimes quite extraordinary positive things that that often happen as a result of that. Uh, yeah, no, sure. And they're not always necessarily things that are apparent at the time. They're not necessarily things that we might even notice happening because we're 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 involved in the the, the, the tragedy that is there. But there's always perspectives I guess there's different perspectives on, on on things yeah so I guess I've could by by being by being a, a lover of astronomy in the universe and 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 being interested in the great beyond whether it's a philosophical or religious or a scientific kind of perspective I've always been fascinated by perspectives on life and I do think that the culture right you have right now um, certainly driven by the media is is very negative and part of that is simply human nature you know it, it, it's understandable that say uh, you had a <laughs> you know you, you may have had kind of going going back into into some sort of imagined imagined stone age scenario of, of where two people kind of might be might kind of meet up kind of in in the African plains somewhere and uh they're meeting up and, and they're, they're going to exchange kind of what's going on around them and one person kind of go, oh, there's a lion back there, so don't go there. And right. that would be the major bit of news. That would be the first bit of news that you'd kind of say, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, don't go there because there's a lion, you might die. Yeah. So it makes sense that the negative stuff kind of gets the headlines yeah. because this is the things that you know, we want to all survive and live and, and be. So there's a, there is a, a human need that kind of drives that. But I do think, I think certainly in, in, in English culture and British culture, um, and I actually use those words, words interchangeably there, which I don't like. <laughs> um. Yeah, that, there's nothing like recording yourself uh, talking to find that you use all of the phrases that you don't like to use. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. Um, that that there is there is an overtly negative view on. On life, and and overtly, as a result of that, a, a a constant kind of sense of oh, we need to batten down the hatches, we need to look after our own, we need to put walls up, we need to kind of turn this island into a fortress, right? In 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 kind of many different ways, and turn ourselves, turn our homes into fortresses. You know, we you know people are putting you know security cameras up in their homes and, and that kind of stuff. Right, and, yeah, yeah. And I think I think the there is. A deep underlying fear that kind of that has kind of developed, I think, in, in a lot of Western societies. That I think is is um, is is unreal. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I think it's really interesting. It's, it's really interesting to me to hear this because I, I do agree with I think that analysis. Um, but I I think we've we've touched on this in the past, really. Mm. I mean, I kind of come to the same some of the same conclusions from a sort of slightly different direction because I think that whilst there is all of that going on there is also a kind of lack of preparedness to actually look at the proper reality of the more tragic elements of life so we're we're fighting a war but we distract ourselves with other things we always have to be positive in our outlook so we can't complain about our working hours (laughs) and and, and so I think I think I I kind of agree with your analysis but and I think there's also this kind of and I don't think you disagree with my analysis this kind of counter thing that kind of goes over that whereby you know we're either being negative in a very negative way or we're being positive in a very negative yeah. way uh, and, yeah. and none of it's yeah. you know exactly helpful in there's a way that kind of muscle way. grumble kind of stiff up a lip kind of thing which yeah. is basically saying shut down your feelings 
don't you right. know, don't 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 say anything because I mean yeah. I, I find that just in trying to sell the idea of tragedy to people everybody's convinced that they don't that, that no 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 that, I don't want to be sad but they all watch tragedies anyway they watch EastEnders they yeah. watch reality TV there's tragic elements yeah. in them and they, they you know classical tragic you could you could study them through Aristotle and uh, you could find interesting PhDs to write but uh, but <clears throat> so they already know know about tragedy but and so they had, they do have potentially an interest in it. But the other thing that they that is hard to get people to kind of understand is that traditionally tragedy was an experience that was a collective experience yeah. where we looked at collectively society together, yeah. and uh, it, it it could be a very positive experience. Yes. This idea that tragedy, like you say, good things can come out of tragedy. One of the things that can come is new understanding, right? Yes. And so that's hopefully what you get through experiences of of. of of tragedy in art you know when they yeah. when they work hopefully there's a difference between tragedy and nihilism i think you know, <laughs> hopefully there's, a, there's a difference between just saying oh yeah. there's no point it's different from saying there is a point but we've lost our way or you know whatever you know no that's a really nice distinction actually and i i, I like that um yeah absolutely because i think there is a danger of the, the kind of negativity just leading to apathy right where people just kind of go well I can't do anything really to change anything, so I'm just gonna kind of just do what I can to kind of look Live after my myself and you know, you know, kind of get by. And, and we have it set up where it, it's so exhausting just to kind of go to work, pay your bills, <laughs> you know, look after your family if you if you have children and that kind of stuff. And yeah, all those kind of day to day things involving in life it, are so exhausting that it means people don't, and I include myself in this often have the, the, the emotional and mental space to be able to actually anything else that's kind of going on with any 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 real judgment properly. Yeah. Because we're kind of we, we're given the headlines from the newspapers and, and and organizations which have their own agenda as to what they want to give us and what they want to tell us. And so we have a, a, a small amount of emotional capacity and mental capacity in a day to kind of to, to take that in. And so that very small amount is kind of what we then informs our view of the world. Right. No, sure. I mean, exactly. I mean, and and you and you certainly. I mean, do you believe that there is things that we can do then to change? Because I mean, one of the things is that when you're talking about that, I think I fear I'm in that boat. Mm. I've got to the point where I'm like, <laughs> well, I can't see a way of changing anything. I do believe in the positive elements of the world, and I, I love people, yeah. but I don't love the global society that we live in. Mm. And I can't see a way of changing it on a fundamental level unless everybody collectively decides. Yeah. And it's so hard to kind of get through that fuzz and even... Mm. And then the fear is that if we do collectively decide, what will that collective decision look like? Will yes. That, you know, will yes, it be a violent absolutely. revolution? Because I don't think they work very well. For no, they, they so. tend not to. As, 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 as much as I would, I would love to storm Parliament and uh, <laughs> <laughs> remove several people from office and put them in prison. As a, as a history, the revolutions haven't really gone that well. No. Um, there have been some that have done pretty well. Yeah, I mean, right. Absolutely. Czechoslovakia had a, um, when, when they overthrew communism, it's done pretty well since, you know. There have been some, but yeah, generally, generally not. No, sure. I mean, <laughs> and, then, and there's always exceptions and, and, and yeah. stuff like that. And hopefully, you know, I, if, 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 a revo- if a non-violent revolution <laughs> happened tomorrow, I would certainly not stand in its way. Yes. I, would, I would absolutely <laughs> help it along. Yeah. But uh, it, until then, it's kind of hard to hard to find a way of actually I mean do you have any suggestions for 
for people who have to, <laughs> have to pursue things like the positive well, agenda. Sure. Yeah, that's, I like that's to a big ask question. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, that's the thing. I think that's the thing that um, I, I myself find myself in in the boat of where uh, we are so um, caught up in, in 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 just trying to remain uh, alive and and as, as stable human beings that we. Uh, it is a case of often, oh, if there's something happening, then I'll get behind it. But then there's, there's, you know, where, who starts that thing happening? And there are, there are movements out there. There are people out there and um, you have fantastic organisations like 38 Degrees, which are just brilliant. And, and they've done some incredible work who, who um, are an online petitioning organisation. Right. And, and, uh, I get emails from Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 <laughs> I and, do also sign, up, sign their petitions yeah, as well. yeah. Uh, yeah, fantastic, and, and things things like whether you know they've they've uh, called for people to to donate to get um, billboards up around London and and things absolutely brilliant. So I think I think they actually have a really nice a nice way of doing things. Actually, I like what they do. The idea of of doing things like getting people to pull together and saying, okay, let's get a billboard up there saying this issue is not being talked about. Let's let's get let's this out there. It, right. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think a lot of it is just increasing people's awareness. Not even just that, but actually, actually, this is maybe a bit of a tangent. I think it's, I'm not sure exactly where it is. I should know this. There's a city in Argentina that has banned all advertising on their billboards. And as far as I understand it, it has had effects in the city's well-being. The city has become cleaner. People have cared about the city more. They've looked after it more. And, uh that small thing has kind of changed the kind of culture of the city a little bit more it's kind of more community and and so rather than people just kind of having an advertising blaring at them constantly maybe it's just kind of given them a bit more emotional intellectual space to be able to kind of think a bit more beyond just trying to get through their day yeah i mean advertising certainly where i think the culture of optimism that i often Mm -hmm. describe stand-up tragedy as being against i think that's (laughs) that's where it lives i Mm. mean this idea that we can all be this impossible thing which none of us i don't know if it's desirable to be that thing anyway it definitely says you can have everything you want you can have it absolutely and you know certainly if that noise was turned off i can see that (laughs) that that there being great benefits and also just also just just telling you what you should what what you should be aspiring to you know that your ultimate thing to aspire to is have a particular type of car and that's your ultimate aim in in life is to have that car right or to have that particular type of body you know and it's the the amount of untold misery that kind of results from that accepting we can't have as much would be great for the world in in an environmental sense as well yeah absolutely it definitely is this this thing where we're all sort of driven and then again i think that that also links in quite well i think with with how tragedy kind of works that's you know you follow a hero that's overreaching yes. like being hubristic trying to get more than they they want we can all we can all understand yeah. that but we see that it doesn't work yeah. um and so again i guess that's that's another place where this kind of stuff crosses over well, for me yeah absolutely i mean um actually just in terms of of our economic model right now you know our economic model is is kind of this kind of overreaching right. kind of vast egotistical character almost that believes that it can somehow constantly win and never lose yeah. um, growth is um, growth. definitely going to happen do 
George Monbiot wrote uh, an article recently about this, like saying the thing we don't talk about is that we have we can't have sustainable growth. No. So we need to talk about that yeah. because at the moment it's a it's a kind of like almost a, a tenant of our society that growth can carry on forever. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The, the the only things in in nature that constantly grow, like cancer, yeah, kill you. Yeah, right, exactly. So you know, there you go. It is definitely, there. there is movement. I mean, I, I know the Green Party, which I've actually become a member of, I've kind of taken the plunge. Well, I, vote, and, I voted uh, for them at the last election. Yeah. But um, I don't think I'll take that plunge. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt that I, I needed to Good. Yeah. do that. Anyway, but they, they are, they are they're, they're very much kind of for promoting a, a sustainable economy, economy, so that one that isn't just right. constantly more and more and more and more and more. I read a, a wonderful book. Uh, by Bruce Chapman, which is called Songlines, and it's a book where he goes on a a, it's a kind of travel travel writing, a long journey through the Australian outback with with what's kind of left of the kind of Aboriginal tribes that are out there, and it it's t- it kind of goes into big a lot of detail and depth about their worldview and how they see the world and it's, it's extraordinary concepts that I got from this book that is the, the idea of the, of the fear of civilization. that as soon as you start to say right this land is mine these possessions are mine these animals are mine yep. then there's a fear that comes out that they might be taken away right. and so to, to counter that fear you then want more so you keep on acquiring more possessions and more land and more things uh, for the fear of, of that going and I, I thought yeah that's absolutely, absolutely bang on yeah. so that as soon as you, you, you start kind of thinking in those terms of, of, of possessions once you have possessions the only thing you can do is get more possessions and that's kind of completely where our kind of whole economic viewpoint and our, our kind of the whole western kind of philosophy really is about um, is about pro- this kind of idea of progress there has to be constantly progress right. which is actually hugely detrimental to the planet yeah. and in lots of ways our own kind of psychology um, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, you've known some tragedy in your life, uh, and yet you're still like, you still push to this kind of positive point of view, which I think is 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 admirable, but maybe related. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because I mean, I, one thing I do know about you from your mm. stories that you yeah. told is that your sister passed away when you were growing up. Yeah. So that must have had a big impact on on you at that time, and I can't imagine you felt very positive, you know, for no. a few years. No, <laughs> no. But even then, actually, even at that point, we could see things happening that were, were were never anything that would would make up. Of course, there isn't anything you could make up for that, and that's a ridiculous phrase to even use. But right. you know, you have to find phrases. And yes, say, exactly. Sometimes yeah. they're going to be ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, but even at the time, there there were things that kind of came about. So yeah, so yeah um, so Amy she she died when she was 17 I was 21 at the time is that right 22 at the time so yeah so kind of yeah not quite growing up but at the adulthood yeah so and she she died very suddenly in a car crash and I was actually it's quite bizarre actually that day she died I was actually only recently about six weeks before that coming back from China so I was actually that, at that day protesting outside the Chinese embassy because the Chinese president was in London. So it was a kind of weird, kind of really weird, the, the two things are kind of quite inextricably linked, actually. And I came back very late at night and my family had spent the entire day 
I'd left them a note in the morning saying I'm going to do this, and they've somehow somehow got convinced that I'd been arrested or something. They spent the whole day trying to like call police stations in London because I got back really really late, and yeah, got back to find the whole family in the house, and uh, really really yeah hard uh, moment yeah. yeah absolutely um and it must have blindsided you i guess because you know you, you you're on a protest you're thinking very much about very different things and then suddenly that's where i come back from you're yeah swung into uh, a different kind of it was, element of life yeah. yeah um i mean it was one of the mo- those moments that people describe in those situations where everything became very unreal right and and uh so we were we were all up until very early the next you know early hours the next morning and it's very strange weird waking dream state of of suddenly everything was different and it was a really strange the next few days there's lots of people coming and going um coming to visit and giving flowers and gifts and stuff and it kind of it almost um i remember at the time thinking this is like the the it's the anti-Christmas almost. It's like it's kind of, kind of almost like like there's all the family together, but we're all sad uh, rather than trying to pretend to be happy. <laughs> um, and rather than build up to the event, the event has happened already. And it was kind of it was kind of a really weird, really weird feeling. And uh, but it was it was also kind of an extraordinary time as well because. Um, We were very lucky in 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 people's response, and the house, in a very strange, deeply deeply sad kind of way, became full of love. Right. No, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, uh, funerals a week later. Amy's funerals a week later. Three hundred people turned up. Like pretty much everyone from the school she went to and the college she went to, and loads of yeah, it's quite quite amazing actually. People literally outside the church at the back because they couldn't get in. Wow. Well, um, I'm you know, <laughs> to say I'm sorry for your loss mm. is a cliche, and it's also <laughs> a while ago, but I am. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do. But then you, you, amongst amongst that and. Um, there was uh, a period of, of two years where um, my mother was grieving and my family was grieving, my dad was grieving and, and I was as well. So there was, you know, there was two years where kind of life kind of got, got put on hold in a weird kind of sense. But, um, but even amongst that, there, there were things that, that... Such a huge event that completely changes everything can't help but have have consequences of all all types so a really kind of obvious one my mother and my stepfather had been together for about 13 years at that point and soon after Amy died they split up and it was a really tough time not just for Amy dying but for also my myself and my 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 stepbrother and my stepsister now I feel very much that they are my brother and my sister right but I think at the time it was a kind of a such a strange Moment, safe, safe. Yeah, technically, my stepbrother, my stepsister, and the whole family. This kind of family who would be over the last thirteen years have become very close. The, the six of us, mum and stepfather, and myself and my sister, and my stepbrother and stepsister. Suddenly, we were kind of completely this event of my sister dying, and then the, they're splitting up. Just tore us all apart. 
What was interesting is my mum and my stepfather had never married, even though they'd been together for 13 years, as often the case. But, so they split up. Um, two years later, he came around to pick up some post, and the two of them completely fell in love with each other all over again. Oh. In, in, and, and I think probably even, even more so than before. And the two of them married, and it was a really beautiful thing. And uh, so... Our family, we were close, but we got even closer, which was really lovely. Yeah. Um, sadly, my stepfather also passed away in 2012, um, which was also devastating to, to everybody. Sure. Yet, as a family, we are even closer now than we ever were. And... Even, I mean, in a way, the fact that he passed away makes it even more beautiful and uh, yeah. important and great that Absolutely. they had those years where they were yeah. happy and had those yeah. things that were positive there. I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, I, it may sound completely insensitive, but I mean, something I've, you know, we we don't live forever. No. So the best we can do is have good moments in the life that we do have. I yeah. mean, I, I've always been aware of us not living forever because... My dad's always been significantly older than everybody else's dad. Mm -hmm. And he had a heart attack when I was six and a heart attack and a quadruple heart bypass when I was 15. Gosh. But he's, you know, he's 90 now and he does. Oh, wow. It does seem almost to me now that he is. (laughs) Having spent a whole life uh, being worried he's going to die. Now it feels improbable that he ever will. Even though he's almost definitely going to die within the next 10 years. It's always seemed to me that, that... I knew he's had positive like times in his life, and so now, as he, when he's ninety, it's like, well, you know, he's had some great life. So mm. how lucky is that? Mm. You know? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I don't like Rick Mayo's just passed away, yes. right? I yes. Mean, yeah. And I, and I sort of everyone's very sad that he's died. Yeah. But I mean, part of me thinks, well, if he's touched this many people's lives, yeah. then maybe 56 is quite a good age <laughs> yeah, to die absolutely you know? like, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he, yeah absolutely um, I mean I don't really have any relationship to Rick Mail particularly <laughs> so I, I've been sort of like interested in the uh, public outpouring yeah. of grief but um, and there's you know no doubt there's an element of bandwagon jumping or like yeah, uh, it's become a kind of it's like it's become a meme but, yeah. but, but at, the, at the end of the day you know one of the things I've thought is that yeah is, is and one of the things I think about my life is I don't want to I don't want to live forever. I'm a bit scared mm. about the uh, advances in technology that, that mean people live live so long, you know. Yeah. So I think if you can have a good experience during that time. I guess I'm being very much positive agenda here yeah. on your life. <laughs> oh, yes, on your there life. we go. Let's, let's, we go. let's spin Jess's life into a, positive, <laughs> uh, into a positive angle. But, I mean, you know, no. It's some, that's the way I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean... and. One of the things you do with your life is you write, don't you? And mm. you uh, are interested in filmmaking as yeah. well. Uh, so I guess because we're around about the the end of uh, the last question and element of the show, and that's something I, where I say, do you have anything that you want to plug? But uh, <laughs> I'm mentioning that you write just in case that's a, a, a thing that you want to pl- plug because I feel I haven't t- covered it and I haven't got no, the time to cover cool. it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing as yet. Um, I... I'm embarking on, on making a short film. We're, we've cast the actors and we're hoping to shoot it. Looks like it might be autumn sometime. Uh, we're not entirely sure. But um, we have a, a, a little budget and uh, we, we have some great crew. And yeah, so that's going to be quite exciting. So 
hoping to shoot it in in autumn. I think maybe we'll see how it goes and get it out to festivals probably next year. Wow! Um, so that be that be cool. Uh, at the moment, it's called Duty of Care. That might change. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Excellent. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if people want to potentially get information about that, I guess they can follow you, follow you on Twitter. That makes yeah, sense. I am. I'm absolutely terrible at, at tweeting. I'm quite appalling on that. But uh, I, I think when when things start moving on that front, then I will I will have to. Uh, Get myself a bit more on on the board on those so, kinds of things. So you'll know the fi- you'll, you'll know the film's coming because it's because he starts tweeting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're at Jess Brownrig, I guess. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is a, a, a nicely unique name, I think. If you're going to be a writer and uh, yeah. stuff like that, it's yeah. good to have a, a name that is kind of like, oh, that's distinct, <laughs> and interesting, and. Uh, yeah, Jess is. I've, I discovered was short for Jesse for a yes, while. For a while, right. I thought your your parents were blazing the way for uh, gender gender equality. Uh, <laughs> but, but it turns out not quite. No, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Although my first name's Dominic, which confuses everybody. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so. But you own you. You're you're very happy to own and have the the the, the, the name Jess. It seems. And yeah, is that, that's yeah, who um, I am. Which is great. Yeah. That's who I am, and 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 that's that's fine if it's a gender equal thing. That's. Absolutely yeah. cool. Well, it just means that you might, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're one of the few people yeah. who might have people like ringing up and assuming you're a woman rather than I, rather than the majority of the times when people assume that people are men. So. Yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> Although I do find I do actually something I do constantly do whenever I send a script off to to anybody, I, it's, it'd be written by Jess Brownrigg, but I always do then put my full name at the bottom because I don't want kind of anyone who might be kind of thinking oh we want to get some more kind of female writers on board for, for a project or for a, for a thing and then for to me to be inadvertently in- included in that right. um, to the detriment of, of of other people of other people so yeah. although I guess it swings around about because if you're saying like if explicitly you're revealing that you're a guy then people who are sexist like are not, oh, likely, not likely to take women's work are like, oh, more no. likely to take yours oh. so it's, it's, very, it's very hard man it's not it's not your fault <laughs> So I mean, I guess like another thing that people do in their in their plugging, it, it's it's become the way it, it goes, and so I always feel I need to offer people the opportunity to do it because some people interpret it plugged like this very early on, and it surprised me. But I, I want to give people the opportunity. Some people sort of like take it as like an opportunity to plug an I- idea or mm-hmm. a way of thinking or whatever. Wow. I mean, I guess we've already touched on like being positive, but I just in case you want the opportunity here. It is. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I guess so. I think it's it's. It, you know, if we can in ourselves, in our day, just to to be able to, even even just like, yeah, I, I guess you kind of do get it when you have documentaries and, and things. But I don't know to kind of think beyond ourselves and beyond our situation, and to kind of know that the thoughts that consume us aren't the be all and end all of of our existence, and that there's so much more to us yeah. and to to our lives and the potential for our lives to kind of change at any moment any moment for for better as well as for worse anytime you swing your hand you might actually yeah. <laughs> that person could have been the love of my life you know who, who knows unfortunately it was the person who called the police you know yeah right um but, but yeah absolutely no i i think just to yeah take a step back from from Allowing ourselves to be so caught up in our kind of our kind of mental and emotional kind of diatribe, internal diatribe, yeah, and kind of see see beyond that a little bit, and maybe maybe speak as someone who does suffer from panic attacks and that kind of stuff, not be quite so fearful. 
Right. You know. <laughs> that, and that's always an easy, an easy note to take, isn't it? Stop being scared. That always, that always yes. helps. Yes, exactly. Yes. Oh, God, that's completely, no, isn't it? Yes. But, just pull yourself together. Right, just, right, just... Right. <laughs> But, I mean, no, I, you, you weren't saying that, and I was only, I was only joking around it. But I th- and I think, you're, you're, I think your message is, is clear. Um, and it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been good fun. Thank the, you. the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Ah, uh, goodbye everybody. Bye. Bye. So there's been a lot of tragedy in today's episode. Well, if you want to see some tragedy live, come to Tragic Winter, which is the next stand-up tragedy. It's happening on Saturday, the 28th of February at the Hackney Attic. Tickets are £5 in advance, £7 on the door. The doors open at 7.30. It is going to be about the darker things in life, but it's about finding catharsis through sharing those experiences. And while I'm plugging things, allow me to plug the upcoming 200th episode of Getting Better Acquainted. Although when I say episode, what I really should say is season, because it's going to be in five parts. It's going to be daily, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Guest hosts will be Getting Better Acquainted with me. Five episodes of me that are exploring how consistent a character I am, if I can be entertaining in five different ways, not repeating myself too much, and five very different conversations with some really, really great people. It's been my pleasure getting better acquainted with so many people over the years, and I'm looking forward to continuing to get better acquainted pretty much indefinitely in many ways. For me, getting better acquainted is my unknown. Getting better acquainted is my infinite. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.